Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Do you remember that great day when you started? The day that the sperm met an egg and you were conceived, remember that? I mean, it was really neat because it was almost insignificant and nobody even noticed that it happened. It was unseen, un, maybe unrecognizable, but you began to grow. And at first, no one noticed, but then you were a baby bump, and then you were bigger, and what's his name gonna be? What's her name gonna be? And then you came out, and you were a screaming, pooping blob of love, and then you went to your first day of kindergarten, and first day of middle school, first day of high school, and look at you now, right? Remember when that all started? It began so small and unnoticeable, and now it's become all of you, and you bring your full self here, and all the joys and all the struggles of yourself, what started out so small has become so, I don't know, whatever you call yourself, large, big, mature, developed, I don't know what you're gonna say you are, but this is what God does, right? God starts things small, they seem unnoticeable, they grow big. That which starts small doesn't stay small. So a seed is planted in the ground and it becomes a sequoia. The weather people look out and see a cold front, and then it becomes a blizzard. Somebody has some crazy idea that becomes an innovation in technology that changes our world. I mean, this is how God has wired the universe. Things start really small, and they grow and become something so much greater. And yet most of us want to ignore the small. Most of us look past the small. We want massive. We want mega. We want mature. We want developed. We want to skip past maturity of elementary and middle and high school and blah, blah, blah to that which is greater or bigger. And we miss the fact, we can't get around the fact that everything starts small. So if you want to go to the beach, you got to pack your bags. You can't get around it. It's just how things Work. If you want to be in a relationship with someone, you actually have to become the best version of you first. If you want money in your savings account, you have to say no to the $4 latte. If you want to be healthy in 2022, you have to say no to that drink, to that second helping, to smoking. Things that start small, and then grow big. So this is the story of the world, right? So we're in Genesis, and God starts with two people, and then he restarts in the story of Noah with Noah's family. And now there's eight billion people all around the world. That which started small grows large, and it's easy to look past the small. Today, in Genesis chapter 12, we're looking at something very small that you'll miss in three verses if you don't pause to look at these three verses in Genesis chapter 12. I encourage you to open up your Bibles, turn them on, turn there with me online here on campus. And we're going to look at these verses that are so seemingly insignificant, but they actually have a huge component into the entire story of the Bible and actually into the coming of Jesus Christ to planet Earth. We're in this series walking through the whole Bible, and week in and week out over 2022, we're going to look at the entire story of the Bible and see how we fit in and what we can learn. And the Bible, remember, is more like a library than it is a book. It's written by 40 different authors, and there's all these different genres within the Bible that point to the same story of God and who he is and what he's done 
in this world. And we're encouraging you to read the Bible. So we put together these little Bible guides for you to kind of have a view of the Bible that if every day, a couple times a week, read a couple chapters a week, by the end of 2022, you're going to have read through the high arcing story of the Bible. So if you didn't grab one of these, grab it on your way out today or download a copy right now. And if you grab one and start it and then uh, you failed, pick it up and start right back where you are and get the Bible, the whole Bible into your heart and watch how that produces health and wholeness. That small little step, that decision to read and to engage with the living God, how that begins to change you. So we're in Genesis chapter 12. And before I jump in there with both feet, just want to tell you one other quick thing. This Tuesday night, we're doing something called prayer and praise. We love getting together to talk to God and praise God together, invite you to come. And if you don't know anything about praying or praising, that's a perfect place to come and start and learn and grow. It's not weird. It's not awkward. Nobody's handling snakes and doing seances, weird jazz like that. We're just talking to God and praising God. But one of the things we're doing this specific prayer and praise is talking about and learning about the persecuted church, that around the country, there are people like you and me being raped and killed because they put their trust in Jesus. And we're going to learn about that and learn why that's happening and pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are being persecuted right now. Join me this Tuesday night. Let's pray. God, we all come with small things on our hearts and minds, small annoyances, small temptations, small doubts, small struggles, small questions, small concerns. But you, great and mighty God, who whispers in a small voice, want to lead us and teach us and grow us and change us right here, right now, on campus and online. You want to meet every person. You want to strengthen us and build our faith and grow us and meet our needs and use us to bless this world. So meet with us small people where we feel insignificant so many times, thank you that you love us and see us and know us and want to walk with us. Use these moments to change us, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Genesis 12, again, seemingly insignificant, three verses in the Bible, but these foundational verses lay for us how Jesus is going to come and change the world and save the world from our sins. We are introduced here to a character named Abram, and his name is going to be changed to Abraham. He's a pivotal, pivotal character in the Bible storyline. And you could read his story from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 22. You'll, you'll learn all about him, but his name appears 235 times in the entire Bible. He shows up in 16 books of the Bible, Old Testament, and he shows up in 11 New Testament books. So he's significant in the library of God to understand and know Abraham. When we meet him in Genesis 12, the only things we really know about him is that he's the great, 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 and his wife is not able to get pregnant. That's about all we know about him. And yet this moment, these three verses, set the stage for the coming of Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. 
and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I have a lot of questions. Really fascinating, right? Somewhere out of nowhere, Abraham gets up on some random Tuesday morning and goes to put on a pot of coffee, and he's sitting there in the quiet, and God speaks to him and says, I'm, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a land, and I'm going to make your family so large that you're going to be a nation, and I'm going to bless you beyond measure, and I have questions. How does this happen? Where did it happen? And why Abraham? And the answer why Abraham is that God always starts small. He starts with Adam and Eve. He starts with Noah and his family. Now he starts with Abraham and Sarah. And we read that God chose Noah because he was a righteous man. And so I have to assume that the God of the universe looks down on his creation and he sees something small, something insignificant, something that maybe nobody else notices about this guy, Abram, that he says, I'm going to show up in his living room one day and through him, I'm going to bless the entire world. Through Abraham, who's the grandson of Noah and his wife can't get pregnant, I'm gonna show up and bless them and through them, bless the entire world world. Something else really significant happens in these verses that is worth slowing down to notice in Genesis 12. And for me to explain it, I kind of ask you to use your memory. Try to remember a time, maybe the first time, where someone made a promise to you and they failed on that promise. Maybe it was way back when you were a little kid and someone told you they would be your friend and play kickball with you at recess. And then they played with someone else instead of you. They made a promise that they wouldn't talk bad about you, but they gossiped and they slandered against you. You hired someone to do work for you. You paid them good money and then they failed and you couldn't get them to return. You bought a Honda and it was supposed to last forever, but it didn't. And someone failed on their promise to you. Remember, all of us have had experiences where we've been promised something and someone failed us, right? That's all been our experience, which is why we have lawyers, right? This is the invention of lawyers, right? People make promises and fail on their promises. So lawyers write up these contracts that protect us from failing and hurting each other. So now everywhere you go, no matter what you do, you have to read all the fine print, click the box, click the box, sign, initial, full name, full name, full name, full name, here, because we've been hurt. When people make promises, we need a contract. And the biblical word for contract is covenant. A covenant is a mutual agreement between parties. There's this contract covenant that people in the Bible make with each other but interestingly enough, the creator of the universe, God, also makes contracts, covenants with people. And here in Genesis 12, we see a contract, a covenant that God makes enters in with Abraham. So we look at this again, Genesis 12:1, and look at it through the eyes of contract, covenant. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I'll show you, and I'll make you into a great nation. And, and in this contract covenant, God makes seven promises to Abraham. He says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. This is Abraham who can't get pregnant. I'll make you into a great nation. He says, I will bless you. In this context, he's talking about material blessing. He's going to 
give Abraham money and possessions. He says, I'm going to make your name great. And we all know that his name shows up 235 times in the Bible, in God's library. I'll make you a blessing for others. You and your family are going to bring blessing to the region you live and work. I will bless those who bless you, Abraham. Anyone who aligns themselves with you, they will be aligned with me. I will curse those who curse you. If someone's not aligned with you, Abraham, they're not aligned with me. And all families on earth will be blessed through you, which is ultimately a promise for Jesus Christ, the Jewish Messiah, who offers salvation to the entire world. This is a covenant. It's a contract where God says, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to make you childless Abraham into a nation. You're going to be rich. Your family is going to be a blessing and a source of salvation to the entire world. Did you notice the fine print of Abraham's part of the covenant? It's one little word, Genesis 12, 1, go. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. God's going to bless Abraham, but Abraham has a part to play in this covenant. He has to go. He says, leave everything. Now, if I told you right now to go and leave everything you have and leave to another, that would be hard in our modern society, but not nearly as hard as it would be for Abraham in his society where family was everything. Family was identity. It was livelihood. It was financial security. It was inheritance. It was stability. It's impossible for him to do this. God is asking Abraham to leave everything he knows to go and follow God to a place he doesn't know by faith, trusting that God is going to come through with his promises. This is an incredibly difficult assignment. And God says, if you go, I'll bless you. Now, remember, Abraham's making Starbucks. He's sitting there quietly. God says this to him. At some point, his wife is going to come out in her bathrobe and be like, what's going on, Abraham? And he's like, hey, listen, I just had this conversation with God, and he told me we got to leave everything and go. And she's like, ah, I think you should have more coffee, right? Like She's, she's like, no, this, this can't be. These are real people. This is a real-life situation. God says to him, go, leave everything you know and just go. Now he's got to tell his wife this, bring her on board, tell his family. This is a big deal. This is hard. He has every reason to say, what? No way. Genesis 12, 4. So Abram went as the Lord told him. I mean, this is crazy. I, I wouldn't. Would you? It's like, pick up everything and leave and go? Leave everything I know? How do I get my wife on board with this? How am I going to get my family on board with this? What am I going to tell people? And when they ask me, what are you going to do? Well, God told me to go. How does that go over? God told me. How does that go over in your life? How does that go over in your financial planning and your resource investments? How does this go? How do you do this? But Abraham packs up his family and leaves goes to something he doesn't know anything about, just a promise from God. I'm going to bless you. Just go. And this covenant is repeated five times in total. Once here in Genesis 12, then in Genesis 13, 15, 17, 22, God reminds him, this is my covenant. This is my covenant. This is my covenant. This is my covenant. The creator of the universe is making a contract. He says, I promise to bless you, but you have to believe me. You have to trust me. You have to let go of your past. You have to open your hands and trade what I'm going to give you 
for what you have in your hands now. Trust me. And Abraham goes. Hebrews 11 and the rest of the Bible tells us more about why. Hebrews 11, 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. Get that in your mind. He's a stranger in a foreign country, an alien, an immigrant, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For Abraham was looking forward to a city whose foundation and architect and builder is God. It's this vision of trust and belief in God even though it made no sense. Paul gives us more in chapter, Romans chapter four, verse three. Paul says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Interesting phrase. He believed God. God said something. He believed it. And because he believed it, there was a credit that took place. That Abraham was right before God. He had a right relationship with God, not because he was smart, not because he sacrificed a lot or gave a lot of money or he knew his Bible from back to front. It wasn't at all. He believed God. When God said go, he said okay. And because of that, he had a right relationship with God. Paul says this is the example of our life in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. He says, for we live by faith as followers of Christ. We live by faith, not by sight. We can't see, but we believe. This is what we're supposed to do. Jesus sort of dials this up, this language, in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Like, wait, what? God says to Abraham, leave your family and start over. I have something more for you. Jesus says to us, unless you hate your mother and your father, your brother, your sister, the people around you, you can't be my disciple. He's trying to order our priorities to say that our number one priority is God and listening and following to him. And if anything else is more important to that, Jesus is going, you're not following me. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. He's inviting us into a relationship where we, we can't see. And we're saying no to the old and yes to faith. And what starts with Abraham in Genesis 12 is repeated over and over and over again throughout the Bible that God blesses those who take him at his word. I mean, this is the relationship we have with the living God. It's not about our religion. It's not about our Sunday attendance. It's not about what we do and be how we behave. It is about do we believe and take God at his word. So God makes humans. He blesses us with purpose and a role. He wants a relationship with us, and he gives us choices, real choices to make all the time. And if you follow God and listen to him, he promises to bless you. But if you ignore him and walk from him and dishonor him and disregard him, it leads you into sin and shame and curses. This is what the Bible teaches all over the place. We have choices, follow God or don't follow God. And Abraham chooses to hear these blessings of God and says, I will follow you. I will obey you. I don't understand. I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know how this is all going to work. 
But because he goes and follows, God heaps blessing on him. Does that mean that, that Abraham's life was easy every day? No. Does that mean he was healthy every day? No. Does that mean he had all the money for anything he ever wanted? No. Does that mean he always believed and he didn't doubt? No. But through Abraham, God starts this contract that's going to last forever. It's a contract that through Abraham's descendants, who are going to become the people, the nation of Israel, that God is going to be faithful despite people like you and me and Abraham who are botching it and failing it and making mistakes, that God is going to remain faithful to his promise to bless the world through Abraham, through Israel, which is ultimately fulfilled in the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, coming to save us from our sins. And what's true for Abraham is true for us. God is inviting you and me to trust him and to take him at his word. With no lawyer, no fine print, no detail signing, do you trust me? Are you willing to leave your past? Are you willing to open up your hands and say, what I have today isn't nearly as important as having you? And I will walk with you. I will trust you, whatever the cost, whatever the consequence. Do you need facts and figures? Do you need the small print to follow? I mean, we want the small print, don't we? We want the details of all the things that are going to happen and everything that it's going to cost me and how it's going to play out and the hardships and the joys. We want all that written down by our lawyers. And before we'll follow God, before we'll trust him, before we'll obey him, before we'll listen to him, I got to read the fine print because I don't know if I can trust you, God. And God says, you have to just trust me by what I reveal in my word to you about my character. Open up your hands and trust me. And I will show you that with me is blessing untold. Does it mean life is going to be easy and it's always going to be? No, but he's going to bless you. And these decisions to trust God are, they're small starts. They're small decisions about how we speak to one another. There's whisperings of God to say, here's how you handle anxiety and temptation. Small decisions about our money and our time. Small ways we take God at his word that he says, this is how you're to treat people. This is how you're to handle every aspect of life and temptation and interactions and relationship. This is how you spend your time and your money. This is sin and this is not sin. He, he whispers these things and teaches them through the scriptures. And do we take him at his word? Because when we do, we discover his blessing and his favor. There's an account um, I, I encourage you to read in Mark chapter 9. Homework for this week, Mark chapter 9. Read this account of a guy who's desperate. You know, you've been in a desperate situation where you're not sure what to do. There's a guy in Mark chapter 9 that's desperate, and he doesn't know what to do, and he comes to Jesus. Read the account, but there's two sentences in that account that are helpful to me about this idea of walking by faith and not by sight. Jesus says, everything is possible for the one who believes. I mean, just look at this. 
Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who holds all things together, says everything is possible for one who believes. That's not everything you get, you want, or everything you want, you get. That's not what he's saying. But everything in the hands of this almighty creator is possible if you believe. And this person who's desperate says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I mean, isn't that your story? That's mine. I look at the King of kings and the Lord of lords and say, I want to let go of my past. I want to open up my hands. I want to trust you. I, I believe everything is possible with you, but I I can't believe it all, and I struggle every moment, and I wonder if I can do this, and can I follow you, and are you going to come through with your promise to make me into the man you want me to be? Abraham had unbelief. When God said to him, you got to do this, I'm sure there was a traffic jam inside him that says, how am I going to tell Sarah? How am I going to do this? What's it going to look like? But I believe enough to go, and I'm stepping out and following you, and I'm going to walk by faith. So there's ways that God is whispering things to you that you know are true. Lord, I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I'm not sure how, but I want to open up my hands and trust you and follow you. Some of you will remember this. Some of you won't. You know, as a church, we talk a lot. Did you notice that? It's like, here we talk a lot from the stage. Brad and I, we talk a lot. We do a lot through social media. We talk a lot. Here, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Back in 2017, we said that we were going to do something that some of you weren't here for. Some of you will remember. We told you that we believed there was like lots of kids in foster system that should have forever homes and that the church of Jesus Christ should be leading the way at giving foster and adoptive kids that have been disregarded a home forever. We said we want to eliminate every kid from being in the foster system in Lehigh County. Crazy, right? But that starts with one or two or three or four families and individuals saying, we'll take in kids. And you know, that was said in 2017. And you might wonder, what's been going on till now? Let me show you. Watch this video. Something that starts small. Faith Church loves kids. And we know that every year, Tons of kids get taken from their birth homes and placed in the care of the state to be loved and nurtured. And then foster and adoptive families come alongside to help and create Christ-honoring opportunities for these kids to be cared for. And as a church, we're so passionate about foster and adoptive care that I'm excited to introduce to you our newest staff member, Robin Hubbard, who's joining our team to help direct and care for our foster and adoptive parents. And this is super fun for me to get a chance to sit down and talk to you and ask you, like, Robin, how did you get started with working with foster and adoptive families and kids? Well, 14 years ago, my husband and I were attending a church and we noticed people were starting to foster and adopt. And so we looked into becoming foster parents ourselves and we started to do some respite care for little ones. And at the same time, I picked up this very thick book about the orphan train, something that happened in the late 1800s and early 1900s where orphans, supposedly orphans, were brought from New York City and other Eastern cities and brought to the Midwest and offered to farmers and families along the way. And at the time, it seemed like a solution, but it was really not meeting the true needs of these kids. Many of them were separated from immigrant families and from poorer families. And so they weren't truly orphans. I read that book all the way through, and on the last chapter, something hit me. 
It said, if you really care about kids in foster care, then you must, must care for the birth families and strengthen birth families. And from that moment on, I felt like I got hit by a big calling because I started to cry. It hit me so deeply, and I had never worked with kids in foster care before. And then I had my Bible nearby, and I started reading all these scriptures that share the heart of God for restoring the father's hearts to the children and the children's to the fathers, and about his love for vulnerable, brokenhearted people. And it began my journey of looking in a career direction where I would work with vulnerable children and their families before they were taken apart from one another. And then it led to Salvation Army Children's Services, a local foster and adoption agency, which we have so gratefully partnered with Faith Church for the last four years. Why are you passionate about serving this community? Because healing is possible. We all know that we're designed to have a connection with the Lord God. If we know that, we're really blessed that we know that. But so many of us still struggle to know that we belong to Him, that He loves us, He's forgiven us, that He calls us worthy to be His because of what Jesus has done. He's made that so possible for us. And what breaks my heart is in the church when people are wanting to give and serve but they never quite have that solid, secure sense of, with the Lord. And He designed us for that secure attachment. We don't all grow up with it. About 50% of us are securely attached to our own caregivers. And we take that as a blueprint to live out the rest of our lives, how we do relationships. So I'm very passionate that this church has prepared itself so well to do this hard work because it is a rich opportunity for healing our relationship with the Lord, with our own children, whether they're adopted or not, with foster families, with the community. You say you want to adopt Allentown. There are vulnerable families everywhere out there. And this is a story of restoration. It's telling a new story about ourselves. And I know you're passionate about telling stories, so. So foster and adoptive families here at Faith Church, whether they're curious, whether they're already in the middle of it, wherever they are, they can expect what kinds of things from you? Lots of training opportunities, lots of compassion and a listening ear to hear what your needs are. I want to get to the bottom of and see how can we meet your needs together. I want to connect people with each other. Yeah, your support group kind of thing. Absolutely, things. even more. And then respite has been a big focus um, of this church wanting to build up a, a plan for respite, meaning is there a fun place families can get away to, to have some fun together away from home? Is there a great place for a couple who is weary to get away? And I feel like if we can protect the marriages and the families that are operating in this very challenging work, that they will feel that someone's with them. They will really feel not alone. We don't want anyone to go underground with their pain. If you are suffering and you feel like you've been working so hard and you just feel really discouraged no matter who you are, there is definitely hope, but it has to be in community. And I'm a very private person. I've had to learn to open up and ask for help, but that's part of secure relationships. When we're in trouble, we ask for help and we receive that nurturing care from one another. I mean, do you see, family, why I'm excited that Robin's joining our team? because there's all these hopes that we have and all kinds of opportunities for growth and change. And we need each other and we need a family 
to do it with. So thanks for being a part of this, and there's more to come. If you want to contact Robin and get some help in the areas of foster and adoptive, just reach out to our church. We'd love to resource you with this incredible woman. I mean, things start really small, and you might go, what's really going on? But there are hundreds of people being impacted by foster and adoptive care, and what's going to happen in the days ahead is going to impact thousands, because there's something small that's prayed for, thought about, worked on, given towards. It changes things. You see, here's the pattern that Abraham starts in Genesis 12 that I want to encourage you to think about as we conclude today. Leave your past. Trust God's voice, walk by faith. I mean, you see this over and over and over again by in Scripture. Open up your hands. Some of us are holding in our hands mistakes we've made in the past that are ruining us, that God's saying, leave it at my feet and trust that I've forgiven you. Some of us are held back because we have certain appetites and desires that we think are going to lead us and land us in joy, but instead it's enslaving us and holding us back. Open up your hands and let it go and trust God's got a better path for you. Some of us hear a whisper and have heard a whisper before that uh, maybe I should foster and adopt. We've heard God's voice ping us and we go, no, it's too big, it's too hard. Listen to God's voice, trust him and jump in. Some of us have said, we're going to read the Bible, and you've tried that over and over and over and over, and you failed. But now you're going, I'm going to do it. Trust the Lord's voice and follow him. Some of you, you've been kicking around leaving your career for a lot of years and saying, I want to. There's something more. He has something different for me. And you've been holding back because you've been afraid. It's time to let that go and start following his voice. Whatever small voice is leading you forward through God's word, follow it. That's walking by faith. And if you walk by faith, God's going to bless you. He's just going to. Does it mean everything's going to be easy? Does it mean he's going to give you health and wealth and everything you ever want? No, But if you choose to walk with your eyes open and you need a lawyer to have a relationship with Jesus, you're not walking by faith. And you wonder where his blessing is? But if you can let go of that and say, God, even if you would call me to leave the Lehigh Valley and go to another part of the world to share the hope of Jesus Christ with someone else, I will go and just watch when you say, I'll open my hands, I'll stop trusting myself, I'll stop trusting my appetites, I'll stop trusting my feelings, I'll stop trusting my career, my bank account, I'll stop trusting me, I'll open my hands and trust you, and I'll walk by faith. You just watch how God blesses you. I don't know how, but everything is possible with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Would you pray with me? God, it's our desire that every kid in Lehigh County that's been entrusted to the state that they would find a forever home and they would find you. So God, would you raise up among the people of Faith Church individuals and couples who are willing to love kids? God, would you raise up among the people of Faith Church those who want to see the valley 
know Jesus and are willing to go and start a new church? Would you raise up among the people of Faith Church those who are willing to go to the nations and leave their homes and leave their families to share the love of Jesus with the world? Would you raise up at Faith Church those who say no to appetites and yes to your plan and design for the world? Would you raise up among us, start with me, a willingness to let go of my agenda, my feelings, my science, my career, to walk by faith and to trust you. You're a God who always comes through. You're a God who always is faithful. You want to show us your faithfulness, but you call us to step out without the fine print and trust you. When we do, you will show up. You will forgive us from our sins. You'll wipe away our shame. You'll free us from our appetites. You'll give us purpose and joy. You'll use us to bless others. May we walk by faith and not by sight.